Thanks, Ian. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody? Man, I've missed you the last couple weeks. I am thankful for Jacob um, and not missing a beat as we've continued through the book of Titus together. Um, I'm tempted to, to bring Jacob back up here once a month at this point uh, just to hear more goofy stories about his childhood. Um, <laughs> after listening to his message uh, from last Sunday, I listened to it on the flight back from Guatemala. Um, and we had, we had an interest, I always, you know, end up with these travel stories for you guys, you know, from, uh, the, the engine blowing out on our plane when we, Kim and I were in, uh, going to Missouri, uh, last year. Uh, well, I had another story in Guatemala as we are, we boarded the plane, we're leaving, about to leave Guatemala City on the tarmac and the plane stops. The pilot comes, uh, over the air and says, uh, just want to let you guys know that there's going to be a bit of a delay. The entire air traffic control system in the Guatemala airport is down. And so they're going to have to do this by hand. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me, right? I mean, if you know Guatemala and, you know, um, and doing this by hand. But fortunately, it was about an hour and a half delay. We got... Uh, we got up in the air and, and thankfully got home safely. But it just seems like there's always uh, something when we're traveling. Uh, on the flight back from uh, Guatemala, though, uh, I listened to Jacob's message uh, on a podcast. Uh, and um, I, I immediately when I got back into the office, I had to, to go to his personnel file and uh, pull it out, and where it says dress code, I had to pencil in no pajama pants. <laughs> so if, if you don't know what in the world I'm talking about, let me challenge you to go to the website or to the podcast and and listen to Jacob's message from last week. It was a great message and, and really uh, just a practical picture of what we're talking about and what we're seeing here in Titus as the Apostle Paul um, is is giving out ministry responsibility to uh, this young man, Titus, uh, on the island of Crete. Uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, turn with me to Titus chapter 3 this morning. Titus chapter 3. How many chapters in the book of Titus? Three. So we are at the end. Can anybody tell me where Titus is in your Bible? Just past the two Timothys? Right before Philemon, and if you go to Hebrews, you've gone too far. So um, pull that up for me, uh, either on your phone or, or in your Bibles, um, and follow along today. Today is the final message uh, that, that rises from the text uh, in Titus as we focus on Paul's final remarks in this letter that he wrote to this young protege. Uh, next week, we'll close this series formally uh, with communion, so prepare your hearts uh, for the Lord's table next Sunday, and we'll also be celebrating with stories surrounding our, our do-good day 
and as we celebrate service in the community next Sunday. So you don't want to miss that service. Um, if you're not plugged into uh, a place to serve yet, as Jacob mentioned, and he didn't he didn't mention it, but did you see the T-shirt he had on this morning, the blue tapestry shirt? On the back of it, it says, we're out there. Um, and so everybody who's serving next Sunday uh, will pick up their shirts here uh, as we rally at 8.30 and then we'll break huddle and go to our respective places of service. So if you've not gotten plugged into that, let me encourage you, you can just sign up as you leave today or go to the website and uh, find a place to serve with us uh, next Saturday. Um, Titus chapter 3. Uh, Paul's final remarks here as he closes this letter. Follow along with me as I read verse 12. Paul says, As soon as I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, he's speaking again to Titus, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis because I have decided to winter there. So Paul is writing this letter in between his two Roman imprisonments. So the final imprisonment, would be his last and uh, would end um, in, in lo- literally losing his head at the gates of Rome. And so this is near the end of Paul's life. He says to Titus, Do everything you can to help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way to see that they have everything they need. And so Paul is... He's writing this letter to Titus, telling Titus what he needs to be about in Crete and preparing him really for that challenge and that, mesh, and that mission. But he is also kind of managing the big picture. You know, Paul's got a lot of different people moving in a lot of different places as he is moving the gospel as the apostle to the Gentiles to all the world. So he's managing the big picture, challenging Titus to take care of the needs of the other Christians who are coming his way. And then Paul says this, and this will be our focal verse today in verse 14. He says, our people, followers of Christ, he says, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order that they may provide for daily necessities and not live unproductive lives. Then he says, everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith and closes the letter with these words, grace be with you all. And so Paul connects here doing good with having our needs and the needs of others met. He says, providing for daily necessities. And then he also connects it with living purposeful lives. He says, so that we won't live unproductive lives. Devote yourself to doing good so that you'll live a productive and purposeful life. He says, as followers of Christ, we should be devoted to doing what is good. Let me ask you something this morning. What are you devoted to? I mean, really. What are you devoted to? Let me, let me walk through this word in the original language, see if this helps a little bit to clarify. 
the, the word devoted in, in the Greek literally means this. It means to set before. To set before. In other words, it means to make something a priority. What is it that you set before everything else in your life? You know, we don't pause and think about that very often. But we need to. We need to reflect on that. What am I putting ahead of everything else in my life? Is it my job? Is it my financial standing? Is it my family? Is it my my spouse? Is it my children? All necessary things. But what's the number one thing? What are you devoted to? Is it to doing good for the sake of the gospel? That's what the Apostle Paul is telling Titus to tell all believers to set doing good for the sake of the gospel ahead of everything else in our lives. To be an example of what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. What's the priority of your life? I mean, really, honestly. What's the priority of your life? What have you set before everything else? That's a daily decision. It's a daily decision. It's not just a one-off. It's a decision that impacts everyone we come into contact with. And that's why Paul said, devote yourself. Set as the priority of your life to do good for the sake of the gospel. Paul has laced this theme as we've talked about and as you walk through in your small groups throughout this letter to Titus. Over and over again, he says, the byproduct of being a believer is doing good. The byproduct of being a believer is doing good. Showing the love of Christ to other people. Demonstrating the humility of Jesus and the grace of God as we interact with others. He stresses the fact that doing good doesn't get you into heaven, but it is evidence that you're going there. How many of you saw the, the story recently uh, on the national news about the Dallas police officer? Her name was and is Amber Geiger. She was sentenced to 10 years in prison for shooting and killing a 26-year-old man in his apartment. She had come off of... I think a double shift as a police officer. I don't know all the details. I think she was, was also uh, having some personal problems. She was on the phone. She was going home to off the shift to her apartment. She went up one too many flights of steps and walked in what she thought was her apartment, but it was not her apartment. And a young man was in his own apartment. He... He startled her, she startled him, and she pulled her gun and she shot him thinking he was in her apartment. And she killed this young man. His name was Botham Jean. And he was the worship leader at his church in Dallas and a devout follower of Christ. How many of you saw this story? Man, okay. 
Um, so you're familiar with where I'm going. At the trial, uh, on the stand, uh, at, at the sentencing phase and what have you, Botham's younger brother said this. He said, I think giving your life to Christ would be the best thing that Botham would want for you. And then he added, I love you as a person, and I don't wish anything bad for you. And he forgave her at that point in time. And then he asked the court for permission to hug her. And this is the picture of him doing just that. Devote your life to doing what's good. Extending the grace and the forgiveness that God has extended to you even when you have every reason not to. Where do you need to do that? In your life this morning. When you have every reason not to. You know why this made the national news? Because you don't ever see it. This is not something people do. As a matter of fact, the prosecutor said that in 37 years of practicing law, I have never seen anything like it. There's usually hatred, vitriol, unforgiveness that's part of all these situations. But man, when you step up in the name of Christ... And you forgive the unforgivable in the same way that He forgave you. Forgiving the unforgivable. Man, it gets people's attention. Because it just doesn't happen. And that's what Paul is telling Titus to tell the people of God. Be devoted to what is good. After this hug and this remarkable act of grace which shocked everybody who was there. The judge who was overseeing uh, the court that day, her name's Tammy Kemp, uh, she also got up, came around the bench and hugged the young lady, the young police officer. And there's a picture of that. And then she went back and she got her Bible off of the bench, the one that they swear people in on, And she said, I want you to have this. She said, I've got three or four of them at home. And then she turned to John 3.16 in that Bible and said, start reading right here. Love like Jesus. Love like Jesus. Everywhere. All the time. Even when you got good reason not to. Now that kind of love, that kind of forgiveness, that kind of grace, that kind of good gets people's attention. It has the power to transform lives. That's Paul's message to Titus. 
You can respond like everybody else. You can blend in. You can be bitter like everybody else. You can hate like the world hates. Or you can choose as Christ chose for you to do good. To allow the grace that's given to you to flow through you. To be a river for God. And not a reservoir. That just holds it for yourself. In verse 8 of chapter 3. Back up a little bit. Paul says to Titus. I want you to stress these things. So that those who have trusted in God may be careful, once again, to devote themselves to doing what is good. He said these things are excellent and they're profitable. Not just for you, but for who? Everybody. Everybody. I mean, you want to see change? You want to see change in your home? You want to see change in your family? You want to see transformation in your community? Devote yourself to doing what's good. Not just good in general. Jesus good. Tough good. Dying to yourself good. Because they profit. Everyone. Every Christian is called to be an extender of God's grace. To do good even when the circumstances give us an excuse not to. I don't know about you, but I'm not great at that. It's so much easier just to fall in with the crowd when we've got an excuse to. He hurt me. He said this about me. She did this. She did that. So I'm going to turn my back because I've got an excuse to. Who wouldn't? Jesus wouldn't. Jesus didn't. He didn't turn his back on you. He didn't turn his back on me. We're all called to be extenders of God's grace. And that's what Paul's talking about here. To do good even when the circumstances tell us not to. Where do you need to reframe your circumstances this morning? And as difficult as it is, do good in the midst of it. Talk about being in the minority. Swimming upstream. Paul says when we do that, God not only meets our needs, it's a beautiful thing. When we die daily to ourselves, we find that God will meet our needs, but He will not only meet our needs, He will meet the needs of those, of others, through us. Whether it's a physical need or, as we saw in those pictures, a a spiritual need for forgiveness and restoration. John Wesley put it this way. He said, do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as you can. Did you get it? Do good. Do good. Not a good that just rises from what you can, you can manufacture within yourself but a good that calls on the power of the Holy Spirit within you to do things that you in and of yourself cannot do. 
We come to an end of ourselves. We come to an end of our capacity, an end of our ability to love, to forgive. And it's only through the indwelling presence of Christ in us that we can then do that when the circumstances give us every reason not to. It's a God thing. We've got to ask Him to give us what it takes in those situations. I was asked by the 410 Bridge, our our mission partner, uh, to go to Guatemala uh, last week. Uh, with, a, with a special team that they had put together to help facilitate dialogue between the Catholic church leaders and the Protestant or evangelical church leaders in the five communities that they partner with uh, there in Guatemala. The, uh, the Catholic evangelical divide, especially in, in Latin America, um, is, is, a, is a big divide, a big barrier, and it's been creating challenges uh, in the communities that 410 partners with in Guatemala in getting the people in the communities to come together to work together for the good of the community, um, but being willing to lay down their differences and, and do that. And so we had a tall order. I mean, this is, you know, decades of division, and we were asked just to come in on a fact-finding uh, sort of a mission um, and kind of model for these communities. We visited, it was a whirlwind trip. We were in five different communities doing dialogue with the Catholics and and the Protestants there. But we had two people on our team that were from the Church of the Nativity in Baltimore. It's a very progressive Catholic church in Baltimore. Uh, Carol and Daniel loved them. We had been uh, working for... Uh, about three months on video conference calls, uh, myself and another uh, evangelical pastor in Gwinnett County, Lauren Hildebrandt. We had been working with uh, the, the Catholic folks in Baltimore for several months, just kind of working out our own differences and uh, coming to a place of understanding uh, to be able to lock arms and work together for the good of those in Guatemala. And our task was to lock arms as Catholics and Protestants and go over there and model for these people what that looks like and hopefully raise some awareness and begin some dialogue surrounding this uh, in the community, so it was it was an amazing trip, a trip like I have uh, never uh, experienced before. Um, it was a fascinating, honestly, and, and rich uh, experience. Um, this is a, a picture uh, of us with the leaders in one of the communities uh, called Rancho Viejo. Uh, the guy to my right is uh, the lay leader who leads the Catholic Church. Uh, there in Rancho Viejo. The guy to his right with a green shirt on is uh, an evangelical pastor in that same community. The guy with the black shirt on, a Catholic guy, plaid shirt, um, is, is another Protestant guy. The guy to, uh, to my left, um, is Daniel, uh, one of the, he's the youth pastor at the Catholic Church uh, in Baltimore and the, the girl um, right in front of me is Carol. She's the missions pastor at the, the Catholic Church there. So just a phenomenal team um, of the, the five communities that we visited, uh, talking to the leaders uh, in both the Catholic and the Protestant churches. We, this 
most of the these meetings would last between three and four hours where we would just try to dive in, do some fact-finding as far as what's going on, how well, if they are even working together at all. Um, but of the five communities we visited, I'm thankful to say uh, that Vista Hermosa, which is our partner community um, in in Guatemala, um, was was the furthest along when it came to where the Catholics and the Protestants were willing to put their differences aside for the sake of the community. Um, God used exactly what Paul is calling us to in Titus. Um, it's interesting to bring those churches together prior to us even arriving. So it was neat to see that God was already um, tilling the soil there. Uh, they had rallied around, and you may remember this, uh, the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church there had rallied around uh, building a home for a handicapped man named Angel in the community. Do you all remember us telling you that story? Well, we didn't really realize the, the full impact of what was going on there until we got into the meeting with the leaders in, uh, in Vista Hermosa. And they had set their differences aside uh, to build Angel's house. They had rallied around this family in need exactly what Paul's talking about, these folks didn't have. And Susan was there uh, several years ago when they didn't have their basic necessities. I mean, they had, it was sad. It was, it was a difficult, difficult um, visit for all of us. Dirt floor, the whole bit, and just, just really sad. Uh, well, these folks rallied around Angel. They locked arms no matter what their beliefs were. And they built him a brand new house. And we visited that this past year and we shared that with you. But that one good deed, providing for the needs of another exactly what Paul is talking about, was the catalyst for breaking down the barriers between these churches and bringing this community together. And so that one meeting we had with the leaders in Vista Hermosa, and that was a celebration. I mean, it was like, look what God is doing and was a model really for the other communities. They saw a need and they responded to that need by doing good. And God is now using that to transform not only their lives, but this entire community. And it's a beautiful thing. The kind of love that was shown to Amber Geiger in a Dallas courtroom, to Angel's family in the hills of Guatemala, this willingness to lay down your life for the sake of another. And it is by far the exception and not the rule in our world today. God's calling us to be the exception. I love the way somebody put it. said, there are no traffic jams on the extra mile. Think about that. God's calling us to be exceptional as we emulate and as we follow Jesus Christ. As we're willing to do for others through His power that is placed within us what He has done for us. To love, to forgive, to serve. We're called to be exceptional. We're called to go that extra mile. We're called to do good. 
next Saturday we'll have an opportunity to, to do that together as a church in a community. And I, I hope you'll join us as we put into practice what we've learned these last seven weeks uh, in this trek through Titus. Just a reminder, we're going to rally here uh, Saturday morning, rain or shine, uh, here at the church at 8.30 a.m. So we're all going to meet here to rally with a cup of coffee and grab a donut um, to get uh, to get your T-shirt, too. Um, and then we're going to go uh, with our marching orders to our respective places of service. I hope you guys have enjoyed this series through Titus. Man, three chapters just chuck full of God's truth and that your small groups have been a rich experience and, and will continue to be. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we, Lord, we want to do good. <laughs> but as Paul said in, in Romans, you know, we don't always do what we want to do. And Lord, the reality is we can't do it without you. And I pray first and foremost, Father, that we would, we would lean into you because none of this is possible without you. And without the power of your Holy Spirit that you have gifted to us. And I pray, Father, as we kind of conclude this, this message and conclude this series in Titus, uh, that you would help us to reflect on what our priority truly is. What are we setting first in our lives? And Lord, may that be Christ as we fix our eyes on him and as we seek to love as he loved. We pray that in his powerful name. Amen. Now, do you want to get a watching world's attention? <laughs>